is MMATorch.com editor Jamie Pennick, and this is the Torch Audio Update for Monday, December 29th, 2008. Uh, I'm joined today by special guest Torch columnist Jason Bent and Torch senior columnist Sean Ennis for a look back at Saturday's UFC 92 card, uh, the year-end event for UFC with three stacked uh, main event bouts and uh, an undercard that definitely delivered on the entertainment value. Guys, this was a great year-end event, uh, a great way to finish a really strong uh, 2008 year for UFC and for pay-per-view buys in general. Um, And we've got just an absolutely packed beginning of 2009 coming up. Uh, But for our year-end event here, uh, this is nothing short of drama, excitement, title changes. It was an absolutely great show, um, a lot of energy, uh, you know, this is just everything that they could have asked for for this show came to fruition here, and uh, we we got the stamping of a new top of the light heavyweight division and the absolute resurgence of uh, the former heavyweight champ, Frank Mir, now the interim champ, Frank Mir. Um, guys, this is just a great show. What were your uh, overall thoughts on the show quickly, and then what was your fight of the night? Sean, we'll start with you. I thought the show was fantastic. <clears throat> you know, you really can't ask for much more to close out a year, um, especially with how the last pay-per-view went as well. You know, both pay-per-views really, really well uh, well planned, and, and uh, the, the cards were both spectacular, and, and everything delivered. Um, fight of the night, I would give to uh, Griffin Evans, um, although, uh, you know, Mir and uh, Noguera comes in uh, a second because of the stunning upset factor. Um, but, yeah, Griffin Evans, I think, fight of the night, and the pay-per-view was just fantastic. Jason, your uh, your fight of the night and your thoughts on the event? Amazing pay-per-view from start to finish. Uh, fight of the night has to go to Griffin Evans. Fighter of the night has got to go to Frank Mir. Mir's performance was better than anything else on the card, and that Griffin Evans fight was pretty damn good. But Frank Mir just, you know, he put my jaw on the floor. Shocked the hell out of me with that performance. Great card from start to finish. We got to see a little bit of the prelim stuff. You know, we got to see Matt Hamill again. He actually looked good. Uh, this was fun. This was fun from start to finish, and it indeed was the ultimate. Uh, you know, Couture Lesnar was bigger, but this really was the better card, and it delivered on everything it, 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 that was promised. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you guys. Evans, uh, Griffin was definitely the fight of the night. I had it rated uh, below the Mir fight just because uh, the the Mir win over Noguera with its shock value and how good Mir's performance, like you said, Jason, how good that was. That's that's one of the most shocking things I think any of us has seen in a long time, how he was able to just absolutely pick apart and decimate Minotaro. I mean, I I can't even believe that we're saying those words and and making that description on that fight. But Noguera wasn't in that fight at all from the from the get go. So it was a crazy performance from Mir. But Evans and Griffin put on a great main event, and uh, yeah, definitely great show from start to finish. And we'll start with that first fight between Czech Congo and Mustafa El Turk in the heavyweight division. Uh, you know, this was a bit of a back and forth. Al Turk was getting beat up a little bit, tried to take Congo down multiple times, just wasn't really successful. Uh, Congo's takedown defense has, has improved somewhat here. Um, but Al Turk just wasn't in Congo's league here. Came down to the end of it. Uh, Congo got in and just absolutely bludgeoned Mostafa up against the, uh, up against the cage and and really, Mazzagatti could have stepped in about 10 seconds earlier than he did in this fight because um, Al Turk took a ton of punishment there for about 25, 30 seconds straight. And uh, Czech Congo continues to, to look impressive against less than stellar competition. Uh, Jason, what were your thoughts on our opening bout? This was exactly what Congo needed to do to ensure that he gets a top-tier fight in the future. This was the performance, and... To open the show with this is fantastic. Uh, Al Turk is a tough, tough guy. I mean, he looks like he's from the pub in somewhere in England. He took off his Burberry hat and chains. 
he got bludgeoned, and he went back and down to pint and threw some darts. I mean, the guy just looks like just one of those brawler types. Didn't really bring much to the table, but he was brought in as an opponent. Uh, it would have been an upset. It would have been a shock had he done anything more. This is exactly what the doctor ordered for Congo, and this allows people who may have not seen him before to get a chance to say, hey, look, there, there's another heavyweight that might not be too bad in the UFC that we could see in the future, perhaps once the smoke clears, you know, with the heavyweight title thing and Mir and Lesnar, you know, in the second tier, that's where Congo is. And within a year, less than a year, he could be right up there in the title picture, getting a title shot, uh, fantastic, fantastic performance. Uh, Rogan had the line of the night in this one with, we've never seen Congo submit a guy, but I'm sure he has the skills. At this point, it it doesn't even matter. He just steamrolls over people. He's just a machine, and he's going to be fun to watch and to look way, way, way in the future. Uh, A Congo-Lesnar fight, that could be really, really fun to watch. Congo's a good fighter. This was a great performance and an A-plus start to the pay-per-view. Sean, your thoughts on the opening bout? Yeah, it was a good start. Congo looked really good. I, I would say his uh, takedown uh, defense has dramatically improved. I don't know that um, Alturk has the best takedowns ever, but he's a big dude. And, uh, you know, if you look back at his fight against Carmelo Morero, who is severely undersized as a, he- as a heavyweight and really should fight a light heavyweight, um, you know, he couldn't stop Morero for, to, to save his life. And, uh, you know, he was able to, to keep Alturk at bay with the takedowns and, and just impose his will on the feet. Um, and looked really good, brutal TKO. I mean, it's like you said, uh, Moscato definitely could have stopped the fight earlier um, because he just took a he just took a man-sized beating, uh, did Alturk. I mean, you had, it was one of those fights where you got the blood on the camera and everything. I mean, it was, it was, it was nasty. <laughs> so, but yeah, Congo, Congo looks really good. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, take maybe one more fight and then um, maybe even get the winner of the Gonzaga-Carwin fight coming up at UFC 95. That would be that would be a good matchup. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be a heck of a, a heck of an eliminator uh, there. I don't know if he has the takedown defense for a Carwin or or a Lesnar, but that would certainly. I mean, at some point you got to find out. So um, that's that's kind of what I'd like to see out of, out of Congo. And then this is how stacked our card was. Uh, our second fight of the night, we get right into Quentin Rampage Jackson against Vanderlei Silva. The third meeting between these two. Uh, I mean, everyone knows the story. Vanderlei put on two of the worst beatings any fighter has ever taken in pride against Jackson. Um, And Jackson was coming in, lots of questions on his mental state, whether he would be prepared for this with all his legal issues um, still looming in the horizon, still out there. And uh, lots of questions as to why he was allowed to be back in here. But, you know, he, he was allowed to fight. He, this fight was set up. He came in and, his boxing and his his just straight hand stand up it it might be second to none in the light heavyweight division that the the bobbing and weaving to Vanderlei he was he had crisp uh combos that he was throwing and then just sick 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 left hook uh that knocked Vanderlei out cold um Guys, that could have been the last that we that we see of Vanderlei Silva. It's highly possible with three really bad knockouts um, in just his recent last couple of years. Um, it, it's 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 not looking good for um, just brain injury sake, concussions, whatever from the knockouts. Um, and that that was one of the nastier knockouts we've seen in a long time just a straight-on left hook, landing right on the button, knocking him out. Uh, Sean, your thoughts on Rampage returning to action here? No, I mean, it, you couldn't ask for a better way to, to come back for Rampage. I mean, the, the thing that, that affected me uh, before this fight was that uh, he seemed completely unfazed by the fact that he had been utterly destroyed by, by Silva in, on two separate occasions. He, he, he seemed to pay it no mind whatsoever. He's laughing about it, you know, saying that Vanderlei got lucky. You know, and I mean, how do you say a guy got lucky when you got, you know, just just obliterated twice by knees, right? And he comes in here and he does this. I mean, there's there's nothing nothing that he could have done better than uh, than than what he did. Um, and if this is if this is the rampage that we're going to see, and I might add, if he can start checking leg kicks, then uh, then we're going to have 
you know, Rashad Evans is going to have some real problems um, because, you know, given given the fact that he did knock Silva out cold, um, and which, by the way, this had the best uh, cutaway cutaway angle of the night when uh, they looked at Chuck Waddell after that fight. Waddell just looked devastated after that, uh, that Silva had been knocked out. Um, but, uh, you know, if this is going to be rampaged, then, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's stoppable at that point. You know, you there you gotta you gotta get past the, the legal issues. Um but uh, if he's if he's checking leg kicks and if he's if he's fighting like this with his new camp and he's revitalized, look out. I mean look out two oh five division. That's the most stacked division in, in MMA right now. But man, I I don't know if anyone looks any better at Rampage right now. But uh, no, for I, Silver's sake and uh, sorry to cut you off, but if, <laughs> for for Silver's sake, I hope it's the last that we see of him at least at light heavyweight. Because he's just not I think he's just not big enough to um, to hang with these guys, you know, that, that cut all this weight to get down to 205. He doesn't cut barely anything, I don't think, to get to 205. And he could easily go down to middleweight and, and have some big fights down there. Um, you know, but I, I just don't know that he has the, uh, you know, after being turned off, as Joe Rogan said a few times, I don't know that he can hang with these big hitters up at 205. Agreed. Now, Jason, I know you've been outspoken against Rampage getting back into action at all this soon. Um, but what were your thoughts here on his performance and on what happens next for Rampage? Forgetting all of the outside of the octagon stuff, the Wolf's Lair camp has been great for Jackson. I think the, the, his boxing skills are dramatically improved. It showed a fighter like Silva is still that old-style windmill-type fighter, and when they get caught, they get caught bad. Straight, accurate punches are always going to be best. Jackson's looked even straighter, more powerful than they ever have. This is the best Rampage Jackson I think I've ever seen. I don't know how fully his head is screwed on or not, but he is at least able to block everything out, concentrate on the fight, and his performance inside of the octagon was fantastic. Uh, You know, Silva's done at 205. And, you know, some people would probably even suggest he should be done entirely. But I I think 185, if he's going to continue fighting, and he's probably, you know, the type of warrior that will, he's the kind of guy to go out on his shield, I think he should at least go down to 185, where he's going to be powerful, rather than just be this name of a gatekeeper at 205, who really doesn't have enough power to hang up there, you know, at that weight. 185, I think he could be very good, uh... You know, Jackson looked great. You know, on the flip side, has he ever been punished yet for conduct unbecoming of a UFC fighter? No way. He made more than everybody else on the card combined. He didn't miss anything. You know, both he and Forrest have, you know, they fought in July. They fought on the same card now. You know, not a beat was skipped. Nothing was missed. Here he is getting a huge payday. And I think the the thing is with this, it's definitely Dana White squeezing the juice out of the fruit. I look for a postponement of his court hearing. I look for that to be pushed so they can possibly get another fight because I do think he's facing some severe legal ramifications, and I think the UFC is looking to cash out what they can before he is on ice for a year or two or maybe even three possibly. Uh, you know, I think that's the goal. But for right now, looking ahead, he looks awesome. Uh, I would welcome a fight with Forrest Griffin immediately. That would be great. And... I really, really would like to see him fight Rashad Evans, too, because, hey, one of them's got to cancel the other out at this point, and I'd like to know how good Rashad Evans really is in a huge, huge marquee fight like that second time out. But Jackson looked awesome. Yeah, and on that note with Jackson, too, that's that's the reason I think you do that Forrest Griffin fight first. If you give him the Rashad fight first and say he hands Rashad his first loss, and you have your champion now facing lots of jail time. Um, that's that's not the the type of publicity that the UFC wants to have. And uh, so, I mean, that's the danger of putting him in, in this early when all of that stuff is still a question mark. So we'll see what happens in 09. But he, he, as far as in, in the octagon, getting rid of all outside distractions thing, you're right, Wolf Flair has been the best thing for him. And he looked amazing in his fight on Saturday night. Um, that brought us to uh, another heavyweight bout between the debuting Pat Barry against Dan Evenson on the undercard. And, uh, well, this was the, the first of our 
um, very clear exits out of the UFC in Dan Evenson tonight going 0-2 in his first two fights, and he has not looked good in either of them. Uh, Pat Barry, for a small guy, he's a very small heavyweight, showed a lot of charisma and showed a lot of power in those leg kicks um, and basically blew out Evenson's knee with a leg kick. That was a nasty pop on the replay. Um, and basically Evenson just said, all right, that's it. I've, I've had enough. I'm done with this. You win. Take it. <laughs> it's over. Um, that was one of the more unique finishes to see a guy just say, yeah, my leg's done. I'm done. Uh, and Pat Berry looked uh, pretty impressive in his one-round victory. Granted, it was against Dan Evenson, but uh, it was still a good win. Jason, your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I mean, Barry is just he's a little squatty, fire plug, you know, hybrid type of heavyweight fighter. And, you know, he was swinging a baseball bat around with his legs. His kicks were just, they were amazing. Um, with each stud, you, you could just hear it just snapping and popping. And, you know, when it was waved off that Dan Evenson didn't want to continue and, you know, Rogan tried to say, hey, look, his knee was blown out. It did look like his knee was blown out, but I think just the pain from those kicks was like, all right, this is enough. I'm in the prelims. I'd like to actually be able to walk, maybe fight again. I'm getting my legs destroyed by this guy. Uh, you know, Pat Barry looked good, didn't take very long at all. He was a lot of fun post-fight, uh, you know, playing up to the crowd, a lot of charisma. That was pretty cool. You know, for about a two-and-a-half-minute fight, it was kind of fun to watch, Uh you know, nothing much really comes up other than, hey, here's a little heavyweight that's got a pretty big kick, and he seems like a pretty cool guy, but it was nice of him to get a spot on the pay-per-view telecast. That was cool, and it was fun to watch. Sean, your thoughts on Pat Barry's debut? Yeah, you couldn't ask for much more than that. I mean, he came in uh, pretty highly touted for his, specifically for his leg kicks, and uh, he showed why in this fight, because, you know, he only, he only connected with four, if I counted correctly. Um, and that was, you know, that was the end of it. Usually when you see a guy win by leg kicks, um, a la, you know, Keith Jardine, Kerry Shaw, or uh, um, Cop versus Pavel Nastula or something like that, um, or was it Hideyuki I can't remember. Anyway, uh, you know, usually it's like a sustained uh, beating of leg kicks for, you know, a round or two. But, uh, you know, four leg kicks, you know, granted he, he buckled, the, buckled the guy's knee, but, you know, that's just... Uh, that's some that's some serious stuff right there, and uh, you know I think Pat Barry. It wouldn't surprise me to see him pull kind of a Brandon Vera, and um, end up at light heavyweight at some point because eventually, you know the size, especially height, um, can tend to catch up with you. But uh, you know it wouldn't surprise me also to see him stick around for a very long time because if he can hit, if if he can, uh, if he has like an all-around game um, that matches or can get to match his leg kicks. I mean, he's only three and zero, so he's got he's got a lot of time to develop and uh, could be around for quite some time. Definitely, definitely, a lot of promise in in Barry in uh, his first fight in the UFC. That brings us back to the main card and CB Dalloway taking on Mike Masenzio, and uh, you know this was a good back and forth three minute fight. Uh, Dalloway survived uh, what looked like might be a finish for him, and he ended up um, pulling out some nice ground. Uh, ground game and getting to the mount and uh, Masenzio tried to turn to get out of it and Dalloway hooked in his uh, his legs and just absolutely um, did what he needed to do to make the ref stop the fight. I mean, he Masenzio couldn't move, couldn't defend himself, couldn't get out of the position he was in. Uh, Dalloway had great position and uh, smartly threw shots to the side of his head. Not the most damaging, uh, not the most devastating, but definitely enough to win. And uh, good victory for Dalloway to continue trying to prove that he, why he was one of the more highly touted uh, fighters out of the Ultimate Fighter 7. Uh, Jason, what were your thoughts on CB here? I was actually hoping Masenzio would pull that choke off because uh, personally it could not have happened to a better guy if Dalloway would have been submitted. I'm back and forth with he and his management and some things, and I'll just say Dalloway's not the best dude. He should be very thankful that Ryan Bader won this edition of The Ultimate Fighter because that is going to keep him a little bit more relevant. This was not a great performance aside from that. Um, Asensio looked pretty gritty and tough. 
Uh, you know, the announcers tried to spin this and make this more impressive than it was, but Dalloway did not look like a world beater, and he hasn't since his appearance on the show. I uh, came onto the show, you know, everybody predicted him to have come out and been the winner, and since then he's been very much an underachiever who's getting by on a past reputation. He's definitely got to crank it up a little. It was a very, very good finish to the fight, but against a better fighter than Masenzio, he's done. He's absolutely done. And, you know, I really don't think he belonged on the main card on this show. But, you know, again, he's going to ride on Bader's victory for a little bit longer. Arizona Combat Sports, very good camp. He could get better, and he may get better. But this wasn't the kind of performance that, you know, he really needed where you're going to want to see the Doberman. This was more like the miniature pincher. He kind of got away with a lucky TKO finish on a guy that, just wasn't skilled enough to pull that one off. Uh, you know, again, come party with me and get a free car stereo. You know, that's going to be CB because he, he's not a star. He simply is not a star. Um, he doesn't have the personality to carry it off as a star. And at this point, I'm not seeing the fighting skills either. Sean, your thoughts on Dalloway's victory? Yeah, it was fine. It was, you know, it was a nice, a nice feather in the cap to to take out Mike Vicenzio. Um, I was kind of annoyed with Vicenzio at the end of the fight, you know, uh, kind of protesting the stoppage when he wasn't even really, you know, yeah, the, the the shots weren't that damaging, but he wouldn't even get his hands up far enough to block them, you know. He was, he had his hands up and wasn't even blocking the punches um, and wasn't, like, bucking or trying to get out of the position or anything like that. So, you know, you, you can't really contest that if uh, if that's how you, if that's what you're going to do. You know, if, you, if you're not moving around and trying to get that guy off you, you don't have much of a case. But... Um, you know, it's like Jason said. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't terribly impressive, but um, you know, a W is a W. You know, not much not much to it other than that. And that brings us back to uh, another prelim fight. Lots of early finishes on this card meant uh, we got to see some nice undercard action here. Matt Hamill back into action following his loss to Rich Franklin earlier in the year, uh, taking on Reese Andy and. Uh, this is another fighter that I I think he's going to be on his way out, just like uh, Dan Evenson after going 0-2 um, in the UFC, especially with, um, I mean, he had a decent first round, but it was it was a very tentative uh, bit of a back and forth, but not the greatest of rounds in the first round. And then uh, he just got picked apart in the second. Hamill had a great second round and uh, it pretty much hurt Andy with uh, the body shots forcing Andy to drop to a knee and Hamill just started landing a ton of shots uh, until the ref finally stepped in to stop it. Um, you know, 219 of the second round for Hamill here and uh, Reese Andy following just one of the most boring losses to Brandon Vera earlier uh, this summer. Um, I just, I don't see him sticking around um, or if he does, he's got one more shot and that's it. Uh, Sean, your thoughts on Matt Hamill's fight here. You can't help but think that Reese Andy has got to be a better fighter than what he's shown in the UFC because he he's just not looked good at all. Um, I mean, I had him taking round one of that fight, but not by really by any virtue of anything that he did. You know, it was it's kind of a toss up. But uh, I found it kind of ironic that uh, Masenzio and Masenzio that uh, Andy was the one going for the body shots in the first round, uh, always looking to kind of stab that uh, body punch in there. And then that was what ended up pretty much crushing him at the end of the fight. Um, but Hamill looked good, you know, when uh, after after that first round, his corner kind of got in his face and said, you know, get that right hand out there and you can finish this guy. And sure enough, that's that's what he did. And so it was a good fight for Hamill. You know, it's um, it's Reese Andy, so a victory over Reese Andy is fine. But uh, you know, he he certainly you know needed needed a win after uh, taking a beating from Rich Franklin. And uh, we'll see where he goes from here. You know, it's uh, you wouldn't think. I mean, his his striking looks way way better than it ever did before. Um, you know, when he after, after he came off the Ultimate Fighter, you know, he didn't even go for a takedown here. I don't think, um, which is uh, you know a testament to his training. So you know, he he looked good. Um, I'm not completely sold on you know him being eventually a world beater yet, but the guy's got potential. I mean, he's shown a lot of uh, a lot of progress in not that long of a time. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. It's a very, very true fact on, on Matt Hamill. Uh, lots of improvement from his time as just, uh, I mean, he's he's another one of those along the lines of Josh Koscheck, primarily a wrestler on the show, same with Rashad Evans uh, on the reality show and coming out and 
definitely improving their game. Uh, he hasn't uh, burst to the level that Koscheck and Evans have, obviously, but he definitely shows signs of being able to do that and being a fighter that uh, has the raw talent there to do that. Jason, your thoughts on Matt Hamill uh, and Reese Andy here? Reese Andy is about as exciting as if Time Life put their Kitchens and Bathrooms book on audio tape read by Ben Stein. He is an unmotivated slug, waste of space. At 35 years old, I, I really wonder what he could have left, and I hope to see him once again because, damn it, I need to see a reason why he's been on my television two times and not on the unaired prelims. There's got to be a reason. I'm going to track him down. If he gets released, I will find him. I will watch the show because, damn it, he's going to entertain me once. I don't care. I'll chase him until he's 47 with a camcorder. It's going to be like Michael Moore, you know, chasing after Roger. Roger and me. It's going to be Reese and me. I'm going to make him entertain me for wasting my time. Uh, Hamill's one of the good guys. I mean, somewhere out there, you know, Danny Abadi, you know, he was holding up some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know, shedding a tear for his old friend from Tufts. You know, this is one of the good guys. Um, you know, and I hate to go back to Dalloway, but here's one of the good guys from Tough who actually pulled off a victory that was definitive. This was just this was a powerful performance, and he looked like he wanted to be in there, and he did exactly what he wanted to do the entire time. And he's a hell of a cool guy to boot. I, I think his defeat at the hands of Rich Franklin is probably the best thing for him because it knocks him down a peg, maybe it forces him to work harder, and he gets to work a little bit quietly. Because here he was, quietly on the undercard. He puts forth a great performance, gets a win. Uh, he needs plenty of plenty more fights before he gets to the next level. But I think he's got the heart and the drive and the potential to do so, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of him. It was fantastic that we got to see him on the main card. Bad that we saw Lee Sandy. I'm going, he's, going to make, he's going to entertain me. One damn time he's going to do it, but Matt Hamill did so. Great TKO, and, you know, coming from his wrestling background, he's a very efficient striker now. He's hungry. I want to see his next fight. This was good to see. Definitely, definitely. Um, Rogan and Goldberg welcomed in the UFC heavyweight champion Brock Lesnar, who said he's not the real champion, champion until he solidifies the championship. Um, I, I think he was using a word of the day calendar because he said solidify about four times, but uh, he said he needs a rematch with Frank Mir. He wanted the rematch with Frank Mir. He was pulling for Mir in this fight. He's going to get his wish. Frank Mir put on the best performance of his entire career. Frank Mir looked like <laughs> he looked like he could pretty much beat anyone with the way his striking and game plan worked against Noguera. He becomes the first and only person to stop Minotaro in a fight, and he does it in the second round. Not even two minutes into the second round, after completely decimating Noguera in the first round to a 10-8 round. That's, I had it scored 10-8 in the first round. Um, just absolutely picking him apart. When, they get, when he knocked him down three times, by the way, in this fight, knocked Noguera down, he went down, took a couple of shots, stood back up. He wasn't even going to mess with Noguera's jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can wholly admit that I completely wrote Mir off coming into this fight. I thought Noguera's stand-up was going to be uh, a lot better than Mir's, and, and Mir showed that that was not the case at all. I, I don't even know if Noguera landed a punch in this fight. It was, uh, it was insane the amount of domination that Mir was able to put on in this fight. And with his post-fight promo and the already uh, the the bad blood already there between Lesnar and Mir, that rematch in 2009, I, I'm telling you, it's going to be a bigger pay-per-view drawing card than Lesnar Couture was. It, it, it's it's set for that after this per performance from Mir. And you know what? If if he can train and be prepared for all of his fights like he was for this one, I don't know if there's anyone that he can't beat. I think that Lesnar can take him in this next fight. I really do think that Lesnar, with two more fights under his belt and a lot more training, he's not going to get caught like he did. But Mir showed that he is a lot better than he was when he faced Lesnar in February of this year. Uh, guys, Frank Mir is back, plain and simple. That's what we found out on Saturday night. 
Jason, your thoughts on, on uh, Mir's absolutely stunning interim heavyweight title victory? First, how about Lesnar's blazer? I mean, I, I never knew ABC's ABC Wild Wide World of Sports apparently has a clothing collection because that's where he got that god awful mustard yellow blazer, and it looked hideous. I mean, it looked like he showed up to Rochester big and tall, and they gave him whatever the hell they had in the back in a crate—the only thing that could fit him. But uh, you know, Frank Mir looked awesome. The only thing I got right in predicting this fight was that it would take place standing, although that's partially untrue because Nogueras spent plenty of time on the ground just from getting knocked down by Mir. Um, <laughs> Frank Mir is more than, more than back. Um, you, you know what? He is a stud. He finally he finally worked hard enough and put forth a performance that a guy with his talent should have probably been doing all along. He probably spent way too many years resting on his laurels, getting by with the you know the minimum. And I think now he finally worked because he had something to prove to everybody and, you know, to himself probably as well. This is great. What I think is funny is how when Mir beat Lesnar, it said nothing about Mir, but everybody used it to say, oh, Brock Lesnar doesn't belong because, look, he got beat by Frank Mir. Now that win over Lesnar is a career highlight. I mean, what a difference a day makes. What became, you know, back when it happened, it was basically the UFC fighter shows that, you know, the WWE wrestler does not belong, and now it's become this huge highlight. It's going to drive their, their rematch. It's going to be great for business. It's going to be a great fight. Uh, this is great. Uh, Nogueira really needs to take some time off. Um, he's talking about a fight with Couture. I would welcome that fight, but I really, really would much rather him take some time off because I'm still not completely sold on near strikes, and it's got to be collateral damage, cumulative damage over the years. You know, maybe a lot of miles on Minotauro. Uh, either that or Mir really can strike. And either way, the bout with Lesnar is going to be something to watch and an awesome rematch, a great main event, and I'm ready to hurry up and get there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? For as much of a jackass as Mir came off on the Ultimate Fighter this season, I mean, he was <laughs> nothing but the consummate professional uh, in his post-fight. And, and you know what? <laughs> And going right to the cage after uh, getting the victory there and just looking at Brock Lesnar saying, you have my belt, I, I absolutely cannot wait until that fight. And my sincere hope right now is that UFC 98 comes to the Target Center in May and that fight is headlining it. I, I, because that would be a crazy dynamic because it would be the opposite of their first fight because Lesnar will get the complete crowd control behind him in that rematch against Mir, and, and that will drive Mir to want to prove everyone wrong even more. Um, so, I mean, that could be a big bout for May or June, and I sincerely hope it happens here. But uh, we'll, we'll, that's, just, uh, that's just me <laughs> hoping here. Sean, what were your thoughts on this uh, crazy interim title bout? I mean, you, you could talk about this fight itself just for, for like an hour. But the, the thing is, for me, you know, everybody says Frank Mir's back. Frank Mir is not back because he was never here. Frank Mir is way better than he ever was in this fight. Way better. Because, you know, he, he even said himself, I think at the post-fight press conference, that he used to be terrified of going more than two minutes because he thought he was going to gas out. But here, he actually took it seriously. He trained. He got his cardio going. And he went went around and a half and looked fantastic. You know, this is I, I kind of liken it to BJ Penn in, in kind of a different way, uh, because you know it took BJ a while before he kind of settled down and got down to business. But but you know he was always uh, you know pretty good in the in the ring. But but Mir, uh, you know, it's kind of that untapped potential kind of thing with BJ Penn and now with with Frank Mir, and he's finally tapping that potential and getting into it. But you know the thing is the thing is with this, and this is what makes this fight so great is that we're not going to have all the answers to all the questions until both of these guys fight again. Like, is, is Nogueira done? Well, let's, let's see what happens in his next fight. Is Mir, you know, really going to prepare now for every fight? Let's see what happens when he fights Brock Lesnar. Is he going to get up for that fight? Is he going to put the same kind of training in, fighting a guy that he already beat, than, you know, as he did for, uh, for fighting his idol? You know, that's, that's the big question right now for me, anyway, is I've I, I got to see... Um, you know, I'm not completely convinced yet that, that Mir is going to put in the time ag again to do this. You know, maybe he will. Uh, I hope he does because it makes for a better fight. 
but uh, you know that's um, I think that's that's really intriguing going into those next fights. And I think Jason, uh, you know, also mentioned that um, you know not being completely sold on mere striking, uh, you got to wonder about Nogueira. Is is uh, you know is his chin really that messed up from getting the crap beat out of him for all these years, or you know is he just getting old, or or what's you know what's the deal with that? I I kind of think it's a combination of um, you know, a little bit of wear and tear, but also kind of lack of preparation. I don't think he was ready. He was no more ready to get beat up than we were to see him get beat up. You know, no one thought that Frank Mir was going to be able to strike with him. And I'll tell you what, the most popular guy the day after this event was probably Frank Mir's striking coach. You know, I wonder how many text messages he got from fighters that are, you know, I wonder if Damian Maya was calling him up. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you got to wonder about... Um, about what kind of work it took to get this kind of, you know, if not the most crisp strikes, at least being able to maximize the power in there um, to be able to, to, to knock Nogueira down and knock him out like that. I mean, this is a guy, we don't have to go over how much punishment he's taken in the past, but come on. I mean, the fight with Bob Sapp, the fight with Mirko Krokop, you know, both his fights with Fedor, he has gotten the, the ever-loving hell beaten out of him. And, and uh, you know, to see this uh, was just unbelievable. You know, did he get caught? Is he finished? We don't know. So that's, I mean, that's, it, it adds more and more intrigue to the, the next time both of these guys fight. And I, I'll tell you what, the Lesnar-Mir fight is going to be gargantuan, and I can't wait for it. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. I mean, it just sets up yet another major main event for 2009. I mean, with how good 2008 was, they're really setting up for uh, a great start to the year. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> They're trying to get a lot of stuff going, and we've got the 100th UFC pay-per-view coming up in the middle of 2009. Um, <laughs> uh, crazy stuff still to come uh, for the UFC. But next up, we get the main event of the evening, Forrest Griffin defending his light heavyweight title against Rashad Evans. And uh, you know what? The champ employed his leg kicks um, to a very effective two rounds. Uh, I mean, he, he was very effective with his leg kicks and doing damage and he was hurt. He was hurting Rashad. Rashad was hurt in the first round. No doubt about it. He was limping a bit. Um, Griffin continued to use those legs and use some knees in the second round. Uh, it really started to pick up early in the second round as, uh, Rashad dropped his arms and kind of blew a little kiss at Griffin and then threw a shot of his own. Um, I mean, the crowd was really into this one and then, out into the third round, Griffin comes in again with the kicks. Rashad catches it and just drops Forrest. And, uh, you know, Rashad's ground and pound, he, it might be better than anyone right now. He overpowered Forrest Griffin on the bottom and finally landed his shot as Griffin was attempting to go for pretty much anything, trying to get out of his position. Uh, Evans held his own, landed his shot, and then proceeded to just absolutely tee off on Forrest Griffin like he was a speed bag. And uh, those left hands, one after another, as Forrest joked, he, he, he was just flailing around. He wasn't tapping to those. Um, just big, big victory for Rashad Evans. Um, by far, I mean, that's, that could be a bigger victory than his knockout of Chuck Liddell. I mean, it was more impressive for him to take that two rounds of punishment and come back and do what he did on the ground. And, uh, I mean, as a fighter, got to give him all the props in the world, but he's still one of those, one of those fighters that just, he's not going to be gaining fans, especially with his smug little taunting that he, that he was doing in the second round and just his general demeanor. He's not going to win over everyone. He's more along the lines of a Tito Ortiz where there's going to be some people that are fans of his, some that just absolutely love to hate him because that's just the way his, his attitude comes off. I mean, nothing but respect for him as a fighter. But um, outside of that, he's not he's not the likable champion that Forrest Griffin would have been. So uh, big, big, big victory for Rashad Evans that sets up either uh, a, a title defense against the winner of Machida and Silva if they decide to put Rampage and Forrest in into a number one contenders fight, which I think would be the way to go because uh, they they deserve to get their rematch in there. I know Rampage wants to get his rematch against Forrest, and uh, that would be a good way to determine who the next number one contender is. But 
Machida's been in the wings for so long that if he picks up his victory over Silva, he deserves a title shot himself. Um, Sean, your thoughts on our main event of the evening? Well, this was this was a great fight. I mean, you had uh, the, the the cool thing about this fight was that Forrest Griffin had a huge reach advantage. He had a big size advantage, um, and it took you know you, just watching the progression of the fight is, is uh, it was really cool to watch because it took Rashad a couple of rounds to figure out how to get to him, you know, and he ended up having to use his speed. Rashad Evans was so much faster than Forrest Griffin in this fight, and that's what we wanted for him. I mean, yes, he's got a ton of power, um, but you've got to be able to catch a guy in order to use that, and he was so fast that that's what ended up doing Forrest in. You know, uh, there was one point in the fight where, um, where Evans fainted a punch and Griffin threw a counter, you know, finished throwing the counter, uh, and, and there was no, you know, original punch thrown. Um, that's how much faster Rashad Evans was than Forrest Griffin, and, and uh, just the, uh, you know, the reflex and the, uh, the explosion. I mean, Rashad Evans just looked magnificent in this fight. And you can count me as a fan because I, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I, I like, uh, I like the little, the little antics. I think it's kind of fun. I don't think he takes that all that, all that seriously. I think he just kind of does it to get a kick out of it. And uh, I, I think it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun to watch and. Um, you know, I, I got to say, I, th- I would like to see uh, Rampage get the first shot at him. Um, and I say that because, just because of where, where Rampage is right now, I think that's a lot of momentum going into that fight. And, you know, I know he's got the whole legal thing going on, um, and I wonder how that's going to pan out. Um, you know, I, I tend to think that it won't end up being as serious as it looks. It's called a hunch. I don't know why, but it, uh, I just don't think it'll um, – pan out into into a lot of, you know, jail time or anything like that. Um but I, you know, I could be wrong. But anyway, uh I think that's the I think that's the fight that people are gonna want to see is Rampage and Rashad. And I think the Tiago Silva Leota Machida fight um could very well be a number one contender fight for uh whoever wins between Rampage and Rashad. Um you know the, the timeline will kind of sort that out whether there will be a fight in between or not. But uh you know certainly Certainly, an interesting division with with the light heavyweight. I mean, it's just it's just stacked to the rafters. Unbelievable, unbelievable division uh, right now at 205. And uh, you know, this makes this makes this kind of validates his victory over Liddell because you know, again, the speed with Liddell uh, against Liddell, he was so much faster, and that's why uh, he was able to get that knockout. You can call it a lucky punch all you want, but but this fight validated it. Uh, you know, he just looked. Looked awesome. Looked really, really good. And uh, there's no more denying that there were shot Evans at the top tier uh, light heavyweight. I would never call that that punch that he had against Liddell a lucky punch. That was a that was a, yeah. a great knockout. That was just a great right hand. I mean, uh, yeah. in the, in that fight, I mean, Liddell was coming in for that uppercut, and Rashad, you know, like you said, he was just a lot quicker, and yeah. his his punch got there a lot faster, and it was lights out for uh, for the Ice Man there, but. Uh, Jason, your thoughts on Rashad Evans winning the light heavyweight title here? This was a huge main event, and Rashad Evans is that damn good. If you didn't believe it before or didn't want to believe it, you got to believe it now. And, uh, you know, this win was so much more uh, than the Liddell victory because, again, with the one-punch knockout, it's the right shot at the right time to the right point. And, you know, Liddell's age. There's so many people had so many questions or at least reasons why the shot was so effective. Uh, the way he finished off Forrest Griffin was just awesome. That was a Rashad Evans of 2008 that is so much better than the guy we met on The Ultimate Fighter, who was just completely boring and obnoxious. At least now, if he's going to be obnoxious, he can entertain us with his fights, and he's probably going to be the guy that so many love to hate. I don't know enough about him yet to know how much is for show. Uh, with Tito Ortiz, a lot of and it was with a wink and a nod. Uh, he was playing heel, so to speak. With Rashad, I don't know. We haven't really been allowed to see much of him to find out yet. And Forrest Griffin is just the, the picture of humility. Uh, you know, he's like, hey, I wasn't trying to tap. I was just killing. I got my ass kicked uh, you know, I hate to say it, you kind of want that from a champion when he loses because he fought his ass off, but he made no excuses at all. He didn't try to discredit his opponent. He was like, you know what, tonight he's the better guy. 
He's got the belt around his waist. I will be back. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we finished the fight off with uh, yet another prelim fight because uh, uh, another fight ends early, and we get Anthony Hardonk against Mike Wessel. Uh, Wessel took this fight on short notice, and uh, it definitely showed. He came in looking uh, Tank Abbott-esque with that gut, and, uh, you know, Hardonk uh, looked good in the fight. It, it was a good back and forth between the two. Uh, a bit sloppy. It wasn't the prettiest fight, but it was still uh, uh, an exciting, enjoyable one to watch. Uh, Hardonk uh, employed the Muay Thai clinch and the knees in the first round to uh, great effectiveness. Um, but at the end of that round, Wessel uh, managed to get uh, a full mount on Hardonk as the round ended, so he wasn't able to take advantage of it. Um, but then he took Hardonk down again right at the beginning and uh, Hardonk pulled off a great, great sweep out um, to get to Wessel's back and then uh, got the hooks in and, you know, pretty much did what he needed to do to pound out the victory here, um, forcing Eve Levine to step in uh, and stop the fight. And he picked up a victory two minutes into the second round here. Um, decent fight to, to finish off a, a night of enjoyable ones uh, coming off of the high that was that, crazy light heavyweight bout. Jason, what were your uh, thoughts on the final prelim fight of the show? This was great to see. You know, a little over two minutes. Uh, Hardonk looked great. Uh, a lot of people know him more as a name than a guy that they've really seen much of. It was nice to you know have him get his shine on the pay-per-view card. Uh, he's a tough guy. Uh, Wessel was just gassed. He's one of those big guys that goes into the gym, benches, benches, uh, not a whole lot of cardio with him. He was completely gassed after the first uh, and in, in the second. That was why Hardonk had such an easy time. Uh, Wessel's best was when he had his air. He could do nothing in the second round. And Hardonk is just a spectacular fighter. It's nice of him you know, to get his shine on the pay-per-view card, and we can hopefully see more of him. This was pretty good for him to win by strikes when he's known more for, for his leg kicks. Uh, he's a good fighter. Uh, Wessel's really... You know, he was a, a serviceable can in this fight, and this was a good showing by Hardonk, and, you know, a pretty good way to finish the pay-per-view card. Another, you know, pretty solid, exciting finish uh, from top to bottom. This card had just about everything for everybody, unless you particularly like going to the scorecards. We didn't have any submissions, but, you know, a lot of strikes, a lot of TKO finishes. It was good times. Sean, your thoughts on our uh, final prelim here? I, I actually really enjoyed this fight. Like, the Antonio Hardong hits like a freight train, and Mike Wessel, that guy, that guy is tough. I mean, say what you want about his gut, and he's got one for sure, and his cardio was <laughs> terrible, but man, he was taking some shots in that first round. I mean, Hardong beat the ever-loving crap out of him, and uh, you know, and he ended up getting the takedown and getting the full mount right at the end of the round. That's ridiculous, because I mean, Hardong, when when you watch his hips swivel, it's like he's not even human. And the way he like hits those, he was hitting leg kicks from the from the tie clinch. That's ridiculous. And it was you know watching watching that, and then watching Mike Wessel still be vertical after all that was just insane. Uh, you know, Hardonk is is a lot of fun to watch, and he's a really good striker. Um, I wonder about his ground game. You know, the fact that he got taken down and got mounted by Wessel uh, after he beat the after he beat the frick out of him, you know, kind of uh, raises some questions. Um, but at the same time, you know. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he can do against a guy that's that's you know really good on the ground. You know when he fought Frank Mir, did not look so good, um, but uh, you know he's certainly an entertaining guy to have on the undercard for a nice uh, you know a nice prelim and and things like that. So uh, good for him. It's, it's a really nice victory, and I'm sure they'll bring Wessel back if for no other reason than the fact that he came in on short notice and uh, and took a hellacious beating. So that's always fun for those guys. <laughs> well, guys, uh, that's yet another card uh, behind us, and we've got just a lot of great fights to look forward to. Um, any final thoughts on the show tonight, or on the show from Saturday night? And then outside of Penn and St. Pierre, what fight are you looking forward to most of the announced fights for uh, for 2009 here? Sean, we'll start with you. Oh, good grief. There's a, there's a lot. I mean, you've got, I mean, obviously you've got Lesnar and, uh, and Mir coming up. 
Um, I mean, just down the road, you've got Rich Franklin and Dan Henderson, um, which would be which would end up being a barn burner. Um, you've got looking at Affliction. You've got Arlovsky taking on Milianenko uh, in, a, in about a month. You've got Matt Lindland and Vitor Belfort. You've got uh, Babalu and Sokaju. Um, that's all in that Affliction card. Uh, you know, I mean, there's just there's just a ton of fights coming down the pipe. You've got Silva and Latus that's supposed to be coming up. I think that's kind of a uh, steamroller for for Silva, but you know that's just me. Um, and Machida and Tiago Silva is a really intriguing fight for me. I really want to see how that goes because I think Tiago Silva has a pretty good uh, style to match up with Machida. I don't think he's fought someone that's going to come forward and uh, come and try to beat him up like like Silva is going to. So I'm really interested in seeing that fight. I think UFC 94 uh, has has the potential to be a heck of a card. Absolutely, yeah, uh, Jason. Same, same to you. Uh, you know, 92 was the ultimate. And just quickly, Mike Masencio, Mustafa Al-Turk, and Mike Wessel combined made only $1,000 more than Reese Andy. I'm sending Reese Andy my cable bill. <laughs> he owes me. Owes me big. Uh, but the card was fantastic. Uh, the fight I'm really, really, really looking forward to is Franklin Henderson. I'm excited. I'm a huge Dan Henderson fan. Uh I like Franklin a lot. I think this has the makings of a great fight. I think the two are going to bring a lot out of each other, and it's going to be better than most will even expect. I think it's a fantastic fight that a lot of people are kind of skipping to get to St. Pierre and Penn. It's not yeah. a skippable fight. This one is awesome. I'm not too high on Coleman and Hua. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that one really much at all. Uh, we get to see Dennis Kang. I mean, it's going to be great. Uh, and then going forward, you know, if you look ahead to 95, uh, 95 isn't too bad right now. It's a pretty solid card. It's going to be broadcast free. Free on Spike, another free one. Sanchez, Stevenson, uh, Demi and Maya fighting again. Uh, before we even get that far, you know, at the end of this month, we've got WEC for free. We've got Faber and Pulver again. And that really should be a fun fight to watch. It's free. You can't complain. You know, you can't. It's, it's going to be great to see. Uh, Lesnar, Mir. Lesnar Mir is going to be the big, big fight with a countdown leading up to it. It's just got a built-in story with it that I think everybody can attach themselves to one of the two fighters. Uh, and as far as Mir goes, Ken Han at Striking Unlimited, I'm sure all his classes are booked up right now, just like Sean suggested. I think people saw what Mir did, and it's just like, yeah, I want to get some of that because that's Frank Mir. That's Mir. Yeah. He did that to Noguera? Come on now. I mean, this tells me that I want to drag my Honda Civic in there, you know, get somebody to put a big block in it, because if you can make Mir a striker, you can do anything. You're a damn wizard. <laughs> you know, Han must have, he must have a damn wizard outfit. But, uh, you know, 92, the ultimate, it lived up to all of its expectations, and just the world of MMA, we have great stuff coming. And even if affliction does not last, they do have a very solid card, top-heavy, but what is up at the top is pretty damn good. Uh, you get to see Fedor, you need to do it. you just you got to see the guy. If you've never seen him before, there's motivation for you to try and, you know, pick up a pizza delivery job for a couple of bucks just so you can order that pay-per-view on top of the others because he is worth looking at. Uh, this is a great time to be a fan, and we keep getting more and more and more, and to look forward to Mir Lesnar, it's going to be a great year. It really is. has all the makings of a great year. St. Pierre Penn, it's good times for all. You mentioned that WEC card, and uh, we can't look past that main event either, that uh, Donald Cerrone against Jamie Varner is going to be right. one yeah, hell of a lightweight bout. That yeah, is going to be, that's going to be a hell of a fight, along with, I mean, Faber and Pulver in a rematch. I mean, that for free... You, you can't ask for much more. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you, you know, I, I think the uh, I think the story coming out of UFC '92 to get back to that was the was the heavyweights really because I mean obviously you've got Mir and Lesnar but you've also got Congo you've also got Pat Barry you've also got Anthony Hardonk and how long have we said that the UFC's heavyweight division is awful? You know, uh, you, you had the time when Tim Sylvia was on top and he's fighting Jeff Monson for the title, and, and those days are long gone. So. You know, I, I think the UFC has got to be happy with their heavyweight division. They've got, they've done what 
other promotions failed to do, and that's build stars. I mean, obviously they had Lesnar handed to them on a silver platter. But other than that, I mean, they've done a great job of, of building up these guys. You've got Shane Carwin, who's coming up with a big fight with Gonzaga. Um, you've got Cain Velasquez, who they're going to show on free TV uh, at, at the next fight night. And these guys, these guys are going to be big, you know. And, and if they can get if, – if Affliction does go out of business, and I'm not rooting for that by any means – uh, and if they can get Arlovsky back and maybe get Barnett in there and uh, maybe catch the Marlin that is that is Fedor, um, I mean that's a that's a ridiculous division right there. Uh, but you know time will tell. The, the heavyweights, the heavyweight division right now is a lot more intriguing than it has been in in, a, in quite a few years. Yeah, it's in a very different spot than it was even three months ago. I mean it's yeah. just it, it looks a lot brighter for '09, and uh, that's definitely one of the stories that we'll be following in 2009 is what happens with that heavyweight division because no longer is it just completely top heavy. I mean, you've got a lot of the young guys coming up. Like you mentioned Velasquez and uh, Carwin, uh, especially coming up. And it's just a lot of bright matchups and a lot of uh, unseen matchups with younger guys coming up to challenge uh, the old guard and to prove that there are a lot better heavyweights than there were in the past. And, um, like you said, with that affliction card, uh, I mean, people who haven't seen Fedor are going to be treated to more than 36 seconds of Fedor against Arlovsky. So um, those who tuned in 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 July, uh, hoping to see what the myth was all about, um, will will get a chance to actually see what the man in the myth is all about against Arlovsky because that fight is going to be... um, definitely a closer one than the Sylvia one and uh, a much more competitive fight. So that, I mean, that card is suffering from a lot surrounding it and uh, a lot of factors going against it, but it's still going to be uh, one hell of a, a, a card up at, at the top part of it. Cause it is definitely top heavy, but still there's some fights on there that, that you just want to see plain and simple. Um, and, and, if, if if you want to go out of your way to to catch the uh, the Fields Dynamite event <laughs> on New Year's Eve here this week, I mean Eddie Al- Alvarez taking on Shinya Aoki uh, is now going to be recognized as a as the Whamma lightweight title bout, but that's going to be one hell of a fight uh, on top of the circus that will be Bob Sapp against an anime <laughs> character and uh, Alistair Overeem against Badrhari. Uh, in a kickboxing match, that's going to be um, an interesting one as well. But, uh, I mean, got a lot of great action all over the world of MMA heading into 2009. Um, I mean, this this sport is set for an absolute explosion in 2009. For as good as 2008 was, 2009 is going to be bigger. I mean, they're just they're going to ride this momentum that they've gained from the Lesnar Couture fight, from Goodwill, from cards throughout the year, heading into the primetime special that they're uh, that the UFC is airing for BJ Penn and George St. Pierre. I mean, if if that thing works out well for those two fighters, who are, I mean, definitely fan favorites. People want to see them that are hardcore fans. But if that works out to get the casual fan, think what that's going to do for Frank Mir and Brock Lesnar. Think what uh, I mean that could have done for Lesnar Couture that it didn't do. So uh, a show like that for their big fights more often is uh, is going to lead to more. Uh, ESPN uh, was covering uh, the fight Saturday night. The, I mean it was Sure Dog's coverage, granted, but they still had stuff on their main site. And uh, I mean we're, they're getting exposure more often, and they didn't have the big stars disappointing like Liddell did against the then not really known to mainstream American MMA fans in Rampage uh, when he lost that belt when they were starting to get goodwill with ESPN. So, I mean, just a lot of really good stuff heading into 2009, and it's it's set to be an exciting year, guys. So um, thanks once again for joining me on the post-fight audio, and uh, we will talk to you guys again soon. All right, that's fun.